Right. You ready? Yeah, ready. Okay, cool. Hello and welcome to the Pastcast. I'm Callum Henderson, and I'm joined this week by Carly Hiltz, editor of Current Archaeology magazine. Hello, Carly. Are you well? Hi, Callum. I'm grand, thanks. Hope you are too. I'm very good, thank you. Um, so we've got you on this week to discuss the Harpole treasure, uh, the news of the discovery of which was announced at the end of last year. Um, and it's caused a lot of excitement in the archaeological world. Uh, can you give us a very brief introduction as to what the treasure actually consists of? Oh yeah, um, it's fab. I admit I am a bit biased because A, it's early medieval, which I love, and B, it's from Northamptonshire, where I grew up. But it really is a wonderful discovery. So basically we're going to be discussing the burial of a 7th century woman who was laid to rest with some really high-status grave goods, including the spectacular necklace that appeared on the cover of CA395. Very good. Yes, and because we wanted to find out a bit more about the Harpole treasure, uh, we caught up with Paul Thompson, who is the project manager on the dig, uh, to find out more. So here's our conversation with him. Uh, Okay, Paul, thanks very much for joining us this morning uh, to talk about the Harpole treasure. Um, I wonder if we could begin by talking about how it was found. Um, It had been quite a straightforward excavation until the penultimate day, hadn't it? Yes, this had been uh, a straightforward mitigation uh, that was going according to plan uh, it was uh, there were no surprises it was a a brilliant excavation in terms of the iron age and roman archaeology that was being worked on by the team on the site it was all straightforward and then suddenly we had a uh, a situation arising because the supervisor Levente had been starting to excavate what we believe to be a fairly medium-sized to large rubbish pit. That's certainly how it appeared on the surface, on the ground. It's certainly the impression we had from geophysical survey. And he half-sectioned it at his usual, normal, standard operating procedure for something like this. Dug down, nothing spectacular nothing interesting nothing unusual and then suddenly about halfway down uh, although we didn't know it was halfway down at that time uh, the uh, stratigraphy changed to being a little more organic and then very organic quite quickly and it was at that point that the suspicions of Levante arose and he thought this is a bit unusual this is a bit different okay it's a rubbish pit with organics in and then the first first item appeared uh, that was gold and that's when the whole scenario changed yes I can imagine and what was that moment of discovery like in the CA article you talk about it being an exhilarating day Oh, day of days, absolutely. <laughs> yes. uh, just uh, it, it's what many people dream of and think about with archaeology. It's a strange thing because gold is gold is gold. It doesn't tarnish. It yeah. looks like gold the moment it comes out of the ground. So to wipe away the slightly smeary, dark, uh, dark soil around it initially and, and to see the gleam uh, that was just absolutely amazing now i wasn't on site when this happened i was on another site but immediately traveled over awesome. and uh by then uh m- more of the necklace had been 
uh, exposed and, and we realized what we'd got. And then we straight away, we needed to ensure that we were doing right by what quite clearly was not just a casual find in a rubbish pit, but actually may be a burial. So we needed to get recording in place. They'd already been uh, been doing photography. They were getting that in process. The team were really, really good and really hot off the, the, the mark with realizing the uh, importance and the significance of this straight away, because uh, it is a, a shock as well when you find something that you are not expecting to this magnitude and uh, to then uh, see the team, some of which are quite a, quite a young team uh, mm. that uh, were, uh, one or two quite experienced people in, in the team, but there was a, a variety of, uh, of people there and they all pulled together so so well and effectively to make it work very much a credit to to the molar uh, work we do uh, and uh, a, a really a really amazing experience uh, something which you know I, I never thought i would be involved in something so so wide ranging and uh, big on on its impact very much so lovely can we look a bit um, at the treasure itself and the necklace itself uh, could you describe its different components for our listeners? Absolutely. This this is just uh, something which is absolutely staggering. So we have a single pendant in the middle of the the the, the necklace, the, the centerpiece, if you like, and this is a rectangular gold and garnet fitting pendant now but has been reused it has a series of 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 gold attachments on the back which indicate that it may have been part of a clasp previous in a previous life to being a pendant it has on the front a design of a cross within a frame which gives it a uh, christianity link very clearly and then we have as well 12 biconical gold beads. The little one hanging right above the pendant and then two larger ones either side and then small ones intersecting the uh, other decorations upon the necklace going left and right from the, the pendant itself. Then we have gold coins these are being researched now that's uh, a you know really big part of our, our work going forward so these gold coins are of emperor theodosius the first so there is a possibility there may be coins that are copies but they are, uh, are absolutely beautiful uh, they don't show a great deal of wear and then we have as well as our 12 beads, our gold coins, our single pendant, we have nine semi-precious stones or glass stones, which are mounted in gold. They're oval in shape of different colors. Uh, one has maybe been broken in the past and repaired or is in certainly now in two, uh, two pieces uh, um, uh, with a, a gold and in between uh, joining the two together. 
so it was seen as, uh, as as something that even though it was in two pieces, it was still precious and and, and had uh, had meaning. The really interesting fact about the gold pendants and the necklaces and the coins and the beads is that they aren't symmetrical as found in the ground and looking at uh, some of the uh, images that some of our, uh, our current archaeology readers and listeners will uh, have seen of the Harpole treasure you will see that straight away that there are gr groups of pendants and coins but then there are one or two individual ones as well mm. this is really fascinating because some of our comparative finds to the necklace uh, such as the other one in in, in Northamptonshire, the Desborough necklace, is a symmetrical necklace. So mm -hmm. the the issue that this is the uh, has been found in situ and we can see that it isn't symmetrical uh, is really fascinating. And of course, will uh, will be uh, followed up as a as a line of our research inquiry as we go because that that's uh, you know just really visually curious how it would be worn whether that would provide uh different weight or different feel of it being worn yeah really interesting some, some amazing questions so so many questions <laughs> about this all now is is our our next stage really the the, the analysis and looking at uh, at what what these questions are that we're going to be looking forward to answering or or trying to uh trying to find uh, not necessarily answers, but trying to find reasonable arguments to, to discuss about uh, what it all is and means. Yeah, absolutely. It is. It is really exciting uh, how much how much potential there is to learn from this object. I wonder, uh, could we talk about what do we know about its date and and maybe the circumstances in which something like this might have been made? Well, the date of it from. Uh, the, at the moment, we are using, uh, of course, uh, our uh, the artifacts that are found within it to begin with. But we have, uh, uh, we are looking at doing further dating methods. But the date of it is between 630 and 670 AD. So it's quite a a, a, a narrow time frame, but it fits very very well with some of the other similar high status burials where we know we have a necklace where we know we've got similar uh, evidence uh, and that of course we have the some sort of wooden structure in there which uh, this uh, for our current uh, purposes we are postulating is a, is a bed so it's a, a bed burial of a female lady uh, a lady with a, a grand ornate necklace with christianity as a powerful symbol within that yes um and the, obviously this the desborough necklace is a sort of interesting parallel um and it was found in northamptonshire too around only 20 yeah. miles from harpo which is quite strange um are there any other sort of similar finds or are these objects quite rare in britain well there are one or two uh, uh, other other finds as 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 well as the a comparative very much but the harpole is far the the richest and the more extravagant of them uh the they are quite rare and they do seem to belong to this um this tight uh group in, in date range and uh, that 
that as well gives us uh, a fascinating link to these. Uh, so, for example, we've got uh, there's the site at, at Trumpington where you've got a, yes. a pendant which has a Christianity uh, link. Again, that 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 cross shape from Trumpington is is uh, is a uh, another connection. The Despera necklace has also as its central pendant a cross design. So, all of these are, are, are connecting. So it. it this little sort of group, all that, it's all adding to the uh, knowledge and information ab about uh, what these people may have been uh, connected with, what their uh, social system was, whether they were to do with the church, they were someone that was elite, high status, that maybe royalty. That you know, mm. this is again another another question. As I say, so <laughs> many questions, <laughs> a so many like questions. this. A find like this will always bring that up. But this is why these are such a history-changing uh, find. Something like this, just one one burial, one set of objects. But it, it, it means so much going forward. And this is where the, the, the next phase of the Harpole burial and the Harpole treasure is, uh, is going towards, of course. Wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. And uh, you mentioned briefly the... Uh... The person that the necklace was buried with, the, the woman. Um, I understand very little of her of her skeleton has survived. Do you think she's female mainly from the grave goods that she's buried with? Yes, it, it, it certainly the grave goods fall into a known, already understood, uh, but small group of, of female burials. We have in the burial a necklace. We have two complete uh, pots which uh, are going to be going under analysis. They're both decorated, uh, one slightly larger, one slightly smaller. They certainly uh, are very key. They were put around the, the legs and feet area. We have a small, sorry, not small, we have a copper alloy shallow dish around the, the leg, legs area, which we're going to be doing more work on. So that's fantastic. That's we, Again, it, it gives us so much more information. The burial itself, we have the teeth. In fact, it's the crowns of the teeth that have survived. And from those elements, we are hoping to be able to get much more information. We can use peptide analysis, for example. We're going to look at a number of scientific techniques to con hopefully confirm that she was female in initially, but maybe also look at, see if we can find out a bit more about her diet, perhaps maybe where she grew up where she's come from something like that that would be amazing with a little bit of luck hopefully we have some more human remains surviving it would be absolutely fantastic if we had some more of this uh, the, this this burial uh, physical bone elements from the block lifts that are being worked on now so uh, that that would be an absolute fantastic thing if, uh, if, yes. we, if we had that 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 should be able to give us some more elements of the story Yes. Oh, fantastic. Oh, fingers crossed. It'd be wonderful to know more about the woman. Yes. And uh, yeah, obviously, uh, very much a work in progress, I guess. But um, what do the artifacts buried with her say about her, her status and her role in life? Obviously, quite a important figure. Yes. The, well, as I say, this is this is uh, the, the, the next element moving forward that the research is 
is is multiple strands. So we're going to be looking at the pots, for example. We're going to look at, look at them stylistically. You need to find out whether they're local products or whether they're imports. If she is high status, it, it might be that the, these pots have come from perhaps where she came from, where she grew up, may not be local. We don't know this yet. This needs to obviously be worked on, but a whole decorated uh, beautiful Anglo-Saxon pots are uh, uh, often, uh, you know, they're, they're a rarity, and when they're often find it, it's a, it's from a burial context. Uh, the pan is is in absolute fragments, but um, that will um, that that will be worked on, and we'll find out more as we go through. That she was someone who Christianity must have been quite a a, a key thing, because of course, as well as the the necklace, we have the uh, amazing extra additional find of this uh, cross with its central garnet, which we have now, uh, con uh, Marla conservators have been working hard on and have ex exposed that now. They uh, they ha have uh, shown that the uh, that cross, silver, it's quite large. It, it, we're lo looking on working on that it is happening now, literally as we speak, and progressing. So that is just an amazing thing. And what yeah. the cross may have been used for, whether it was a processional cross, whether it was something else, it's it, we we don't know yet. Again, it, it's a it, this is a new object. This is new territory, which makes it so exciting. As I say, yeah. day of days to begin with, and mm. the, the 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 whole moving along the journey which is so exciting and so enthralling as we find out step by step each little extra piece of the jigsaw and each little piece is going to fit together and tell us a little bit more and give us a bigger picture about this this lady who she what who she who she was what sort of position she may have had uh, more details about her and that that's really that that's just this is where archaeology is at its best. This is where this is what people think of as archaeology. Amazing finds and, and the the technology we now have to apply on such things is telling us so, so much more, which makes it absolutely just incredible that all this is available to us now. So given the the woman's apparent high status with her with her lovely graves, I find it intriguing that the area around her grave seems to be so isolated. Um, I remember when we spoke at the at the press briefing that there's no no church or cemetery or, or monastery located in the immediate area. So, what are your thoughts about the burials location and why it might have been placed where it is? My current thinking goes along the lines of the fact that yes, there was no church there. There's nothing around that links directly to this person or even indirectly, but. Ge geographically from where her burial site is, is located it's on a slight rise in the landscape it's not on the highest point in that area of land could have quite easily been so but it is on this this slight um, almost a bump it's not quite but a, but a high point now while we were on site doing all this work and just pinching ourselves as we were as we were uh, working through and enjoying it immensely but yes. but realizing hugely what was going on it was further down the site towards where the uh, the Vistry homes 
had their compound who were uh, obviously that's the, it's the, a, a site for um for new housing yes. and uh, of course it's supported by rps uh, yes. consulting and looking up from the vistry compound you could see where the burial was you could see the little little gathering of people where the burial was was on a significant point you could see it very obviously in fact it, it was of note it sort of struck me at that point and the the view from below up to that particular location i think is part of the significance of it that it its location there out of the way meant that you could see it it was obvious to people who were passing by to view it on your way to somewhere perhaps people were coming into or out of Northampton and Northampton does have some early uh, early medieval archaeology that is religious so that it may be that this person was connected with this but it was not a trend or tradition or established pattern that you were buried in or around a church mm. why should it be is this part of the the questions we need to uh, be looking at being buried out in a community perhaps or beyond that community but in a location which people could people knew you were there and you could look up to where that person was and it may have been marked in some way that marking that's perhaps a significant thing in itself yes. so i think the fact it is on its own that it is away from the known known locations that you would expect something like that in our way of thinking in our time i think that's part of the the excitement of it that it is uh, it, it is there with its own reasons and part of our our role with this is to use the archaeology maybe to try and history to uh, to use the two tools in tandem to try and see more about a Saxon thinking, a Saxon methodology of why that's there. So I think it was it's absolutely beautiful spot because it looks out over uh, the 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 surround the, the valley and you can see for miles. So it, it absolutely, I really can see the the person. Perhaps even maybe she herself chose that location. Yeah. That would be absolutely fantastic if we could, you know, never really going to know that one. But I think mm. that would be a that's a lovely thought. I know we all like to sort of have that thinking about uh, the, the last resting place of where you're going to be. But we've never forgotten throughout the work on this. The, the A lot of the focus has been on the, the treasure, has been on uh, the, the, the pretty stuff. But this was a person, this yeah. lady was someone just like all of us. And Absolutely. that's the other connection that, you know, that there's no difference to 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 her, to any of us. We just uh, have this amazing, amazing grave goods that go in with with her and the whole corpus of, of data that we're going to be able to get from uh, from the teeth, from the objects, from perhaps the soil as well, that we look, we're even looking at that. See if we're going to try and get as much out of this as possible, which I'm sure everyone expects us to. But you're glad to know that we are. We need to do justice by this this lady, very much so. It is lovely hearing more about what we might learn about the woman. And of course, uh, finishing with a, a look back at her grave goods, 
what can, what can the necklace add to our, our wider appreciation of the Anglo-Saxon world that she might have lived in? This necklace fits uh, in a very tight niche group, 630 to 670. But this is a period which is just after the famous Sutton Who ship burial, of course, where you have yeah. a, a rich king with amazing golden garnet fittings again, isn't that? Yeah, we've got golden garnets too. Then just after this, we've got, or, or just overlapping and just after, we have the Staffordshire Horde, of course, too, where you've got a military sword fittings, a golden and silver and beautiful decorative objects. Yeah. So this all tells us that the early medieval period is full of amazing craftsmanship, craftspersonship, people yes. doing amazing work having this this ability to to use these things to wear them to show them to use this material so it, this does give us if you like a, 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 a the jigsaw piece between the two perhaps but as research goes forward as we're finding out much more about these things we're going to be able to tell much more of a coherent story about the uh, the Harpole burial and where this lady fits with with the story of uh, that continues from Sutton Who through into the Staffordshire Horde. This is a uh, may, maybe a linking piece, but this all sort of we, we need to look at this yes as it as a as a single burial, but also in its wider context. As you say, it, it's uh, wide-reaching impact into how we see early medieval uh, uh, society how we see women in that gr group, how we see the church in that group. There's so many strands that are going to come through, which is it's just so exciting. It, yeah. it, it's hard to sleep sometimes. <laughs> no, it's fabulous. I'll, I'll certainly be very excited to, to you know, hear more as more comes out. It's a, it's a wonderful find, as you say. Absolute pleasure. It's the, There is just so, so much with this. It, it's, as I say, I, sort of pinching myself with this. It's sort of... <laughs> it, it's 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 what people what a lot of people think about archaeology and a lot of archaeologists don't go through they go through a career you know they, they've published books they've done all sorts of things amazing sites and they don't get anything like this and I've not really published a book I've not you know I've done some great sites but this is just you know it's it's it, it's it's just amazing to be part of it and with a team yeah. who are so interested in it internally I, i've just sort of kept in contact with some of the team that are yeah. on different sites working on different things you know and yes. just said oh just keep you you know they've kept in touch even though they've been yeah. on one site or another site or different parts of, uh, of of the county or even country working on different archaeology so it's been great that we've been able to keep the internal little group of diggers uh, that are working on it up to date with little things, tell them how, how the conservation's going and all the li little bits that they're, they're not necessarily uh, uh, um, amazing in themselves, but each little each little bit means that we're keeping all of all of the the team involved up to date, which is great, and they're absolutely enthused by by that. I, I think everybody has. It's very much a uh, uh, a once in a, a, a lifetime find and so many people uh, in, in Molar are excited about it and when yeah. I meet people they quite often say oh yes I know about that I've heard it on the news and isn't that fantastic isn't yeah. it really exciting and it is because it, it's finds like these that come across in once in a lifetime that yeah. are 
uh, are uh, something which they, they get everybody excited and enthused about something which they hadn't necessarily spent much time on or, or thinking about. It's what people say, what people think of as archaeology, something like this that's uh, a, uh, an amazing, amazing find that looks at things in a different way. It's a lady. And to get more things, get more information about women at this time, particularly yeah. high status, just is, is, is really, really powerful stuff. At a time when they had more impetus with the church, more uh, sway in society, uh, or, you know, hey, this is, this is, these are elements that we're going to be looking at, I'm sure, as we work through all of this. There's just so much about this. It, it really is a, a history-changing find. Yeah. 100%. It's, just no. amazing to be part of but there are so many people who, who are behind the scenes with this our conservators uh, the digging team themselves uh, yeah. just this is really uh the, without all all this team effort and they often don't necessarily get to get thanked so uh, very much a thank you to the the people who worked uh, really hard beyond their hours staying till you couldn't really see in front of you to to oh, well. uh, carry on with with the block lift things like that are really really important because they do work hard and don't necessarily um always see um get get an acknowledgement but they they, they really mean that that all works so well but the f future with this is, is next is assessment yeah. so we we're, we're going to assess uh what we've got looking at the different scientific techniques that we can apply to this so we can get as much information out of this with our current uh, techniques we don't know what techniques will will move forward in the future so we need to be really careful and ensure that we're recording everything yeah. uh, and uh, uh, and that people in the future will have as much opportunity with this as we do now that's really really important and, and that we do everything in, in as as good a way as we can for this lady's uh, you know she she has given us through her archaeological record so much information opportunity through this archaeology we now need to uh, uh, progress that and do do right by by her and to get this information out uh, and to then let people know what we found which yeah. is part of this podcast too. Yeah. <laughs> yes absolutely and always very happy to help get things out in, in future issues of ca to do do keep in touch about the research it sounds so fascinating oh we shall we it, yeah. it's the, there is going to be so much more coming out of of the uh, the harpole burial yeah right. hopefully we'll be able to find uh, find and relay more of a story yeah, yeah. that would be brilliant lovely 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 Excellent. Thank you so much, Paul. Um, it's been lovely this morning. So, yes. Yeah, really enjoyable interview. Thank you. That was Paul Thompson talking to us there. And there's a very fine write-up of the Harple Treasure by Callie herself. Oh, thank you. In the, uh, yes, in the previous <laughs> issue of Current Archaeology magazine, uh, which is available to read now on the PASP website. And there's a link to that in this episode's description. And Carly, I believe Paul is speaking at the upcoming Current Archaeology conference at the end of this month. Um, can you give us some more details about that? Yes, CA Live is back! Hooray! Uh, we've had two years of virtual conferences, which were obviously very interesting and a great way to keep sharing the latest archaeological research when it wasn't so easy for people to gather in big numbers. But this year we are able to meet in person again. 
it's a one-day event. It's on Saturday, the 25th of February in London, and we are partnering with UCL's Institute of Archaeology, which we're really excited about. Uh, we've featured so much of the Institute's research and CA over the years, so that is a great thing. And, and we have some brilliant speakers lined up. If listeners want to know more or see the, see the timetable, they should go to archaeology.co.uk forward slash live. <laughs> Very good. And um, also the new issue of Current Archaeology has just hit the shelves. Um, what can readers look forward to this time around? Oh, lots of exciting things. Uh, we are concluding our Orkney trilogy. That's the cover story. Uh, drawing on my trip to the islands last summer. And that final article is about excavations at the Noah of Swandro which is a really interesting multi-period site spanning prehistory to the Picts and the Vikings. It is all going on there. It's very cool. And the remains that are being dug are fascinating and complex and really cool, but they're also being rapidly eroded by the sea. So archaeologists are racing against time and tide to record as much as they can there. Uh, we are also tracing the history of St. Bartholomew the Great, which is London's oldest surviving parish church, which has a really fun history. Uh, it was founded by an ex-jester after inspiration struck him from his sickbed when he became ill on a pilgrimage abroad. Uh, diving back into prehistory, we also have a piece about Armingal Henge in Norfolk. And that monument's really interesting. It's a, a circle formed from huge timbers, like, like at Woodhenge in Wiltshire, that was later surrounded by the earth banks that give it its name. Now, it was first excavated in the 1930s, but now the original trench has been reopened and it's revealed all kinds of interesting insights into how the site developed over time and hints of the Great Timber Circle having met a fiery end. It's all very dramatic. That's really cool. <laughs> uh, and finally, our regular contributor, Joe Flatman, has written about what National Trust archaeologists actually do and, and also some of the latest research from National Trust sites. Excellent. That all sounds very good. Thank you very much, Carly. Thank you. And thanks for listening as well.